Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. We're preaching and teaching on the all-important topic of family. And I can't think of a much more important topic to preach on. This morning, we're going to focus on husbands. This afternoon, we're going to focus in Ephesians, same passage of Scripture, on the wives. Husbands, love your wives. I know, men. Pastor, I try. (laughs) I really try. You know, I want to get it right. I'm trying to get it right. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. It can be if you're not properly trained, if you've not seen it modeled, if you haven't been coached, and if you haven't spent time in God's Word. This morning, we want to look at three verses of Scripture, fellas, that can get you a long way down the road towards loving your wives. And the neat thing about this passage is, to a great degree, It gives rudimentary facts on and examples of how to love your wife. We begin by reading in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 25. The command is, husbands, love your wives. Then it says, and it tells us how. Fellas, you say, "I, I just need somebody to tell me how. Okay, pay attention, guys. Here it is. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Continuing, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. He continues, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. Fellas, what we just read is profound. And if you have an ounce of sense this morning, and you do, well, you have more than an ounce, I hope, but you'll understand what he's saying here. How do you love your wives? Even as Christ also loved the church. Fellas, you should be thinking right now, pastor, tell me more. This is, this is the most important human relationship in my life. And I don't want it to be a bad relationship. I want it to be everything God wants it to be. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. But before we do that, we need to take notice of where we are in our society today. And I want to interject another verse as we get started this morning. That's Isaiah 5.20. Because this relates to part of the issues that men and women are having. Isaiah 5.20 gives us a very sobering warning. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There are people out there as today, as there was when it was written in Isaiah's day, that will tell you that good is evil and will tell you that evil is good. And if you live in a society, which you do, where a lot of that is going on, it can be confusing. And it can confuse our roles as men and women. Calling evil good and good evil is occurring at an alarming rate. 
And because it's happening and because people are listening, even Christians are listening, it's having a detrimental effect on our society. It's having a detrimental effect on our quality of life. The quality of life that we've experienced in this United States for several centuries. It's resulting in economic hardships and social problems that are overwhelming us. Related in a great part to the breakdown of the family. And husbands and wives not getting it right. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Where in Isaiah it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Let me give you a recent example. A example that's been in numerous magazines, numerous websites, um, numerous news sources. Mike Pence, our Vice President of the United States, who I understand to be a committed Christian, lives by the Billy Graham rule. Anybody know what that is? The Billy Graham, some of you are nodding your head, yes. Billy Graham popularized the idea that in order to protect his marriage, he would never be alone with a woman. He wouldn't go out to eat alone with a woman, would not have a woman alone in his office. He would not spend time alone with a woman. This was called the Billy Graham rule. And Mike Pence, as a public official, adopted this as his rule for the sake of protecting his marriage and honoring his wife. Now, you would think he would be applauded for that, wouldn't you? You would think he would be applauded for that. We would say, way to go. We need more like that. Laura Turner wrote in the Washington Post. I think this was this. This is current material here. I quote Laura Turner. But good intentions, talking about Mike Pence, do not always produce helpful consequences. In this case, the Billy Graham rule Risk reducing women to sexual temptations, objects, things to be avoided. It perpetuates an old boys club mentality. Excluding women from important work and career conversations simply by virtue of their sex. She is wrong on so many points there. That woman could not be more wrong on more issues than she is. She is jumping to conclusions. She is making irrational statements without any basis of fact and without thinking it through, which is what the progressives and the liberals in this country are noted for these days. In the Huffington Post, Soraya Chimali, I suppose, Chimali, she wrote this. The quiet, informal rule isn't only a matter of Pence's private life, but of his professional life and public policy. It is, if still true, ridiculous and a good illustration of the absurdity women have to put up with regularly. Don't we wish Bill Clinton had had this rule? It's that, you know, think about it. And wait a minute, wait a what are they, I'm telling you, I'm studying. I, I, I'm, I'm on my third book this year of reading about liberals and progressives and, and how they think. Folks, they're, they're unhinged. She's ignoring the fact, is this degrading to women when P- 
Pence is honoring his wife? Think about that. He is honoring his wife in one of the most noblest ways possible. Reality check. Quote, Couples turning their backs on common sense and prudence to protect their marriage will hurt everyone's quality of life. With broken marriages resulting in massive economic and social pain brought about by the breakdown of the family. Listen to last week's afternoon service for the facts and figures on that one. We can expect an even harsher response by liberals, progressives, non-believers. We can expect an even harsher response when it relates to what the Bible teaches about husbands loving their wives and about wives submitting to their husbands. Don't tell anybody. Politically incorrect. This morning, we're going to focus on husbands and wives this afternoon. This morning, and you can't do any better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. There's no higher call than this. Husbands are commanded to love their wives. Liberals are going to say that's archaic, that's out of time, out of step with reality, but that's the case. When you want to get your marriage right, folks, don't listen to Oprah, don't listen to Whoopi, don't listen to, to these folks. Listen to the Lord. And he says it very clearly, Ephesians five twenty five: Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ also loved the church. How? And gave himself for it. And what else? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing and water by his word. And what else? That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Fellas, in a certain sense, that's all you need to know about husbands loving their wives. This passage teaches us, look at how Christ loved the church. That is your model. Now, to know how Christ loves the church, fellas, you've got to be in church. You've you got to know something about the Bible. And that could be part of the problem. But it's telling us very clearly here that if you want to love your wives like you should, there is an example that you can clearly follow. Look to Christ. Look at how he loved the church. Understand how he loved the church. And then you be that way towards your wife. From the passage that we've just read, we're going to learn three important truths as to how you can be a great husband. Number one, we're going to see in this passage that you're to love your wife as a servant leader. She's not the servant leader. You're going to love her as a servant leader. You're going to be a servant leader to her. Love your wife as a spiritual leader, you being the spiritual leader. Love your wife as a sensitive leader. That's what this teaches. And I dare say that probably few of us men in this room are hitting on all these cylinders. This is time well spent this morning to bring joy to your marriage and love to your marriage. So let's look at these three points this morning. Number one, this passage teaches us to love your wife with you being a servant leader. Where do you see that? Well, let's look at verse number 25. We've read it twice. We'll read it a third time. 
Husbands, love your wives. Okay, how? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Lesson number one. Jesus was a loving leader who gave himself. Who served. Who served others. So Jesus is telling us this morning, hey, or in the book of Ephesians, it's saying, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Christ gave himself for the church. Christ served the church. Serve your wife. In Philippians chapter 2, verse number 7, we get further insight as to Jesus being a servant leader, which he's modeling for us. It says, but made himself of no reputation when he came to this earth and took upon him the form of a king, no, prince, no, political leader, no, but willingly chose the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. All husbands who want to love their wives properly must be like Christ with a servant leader attitude toward their wives. And we should be asking ourselves right now, how can we better serve our wives? Some men have the drastically mistaken notion that she is here to serve me. Well, in some senses, yes, we're both here to serve one another. But a lot of men just see that part of the equation, that half of the equation. Pastor, I'm the king of my castle and she's here to serve me. No, we're here to serve each other. Now, we're talking this morning about how you can serve her. Because as Jesus served the church, and he was constantly serving people, constantly healing people, teaching people, ministering to people, feeding people, constantly serving. That's our model, that we are serving our wife. Let me ask you, man, a question. How do you on a regular basis serve your wife when you go out of your way just to do things for her? Let me give you three things that a lot of you have heard before because I teach this in my marriage coaching class. But these are the three greatest needs the average woman has, and these are things that only you, only you can provide. And if you're not providing them, you're putting your marriage at risk. Number one, she needs affection. You serve her by giving her affection. Affection is signs and symbols of care. It's just doing nice things for her without getting anything in return. It's not doing something for her For an ulterior motive, to get your way or to have your way with her. No, it's doing something nice with no strings attached. And one of the best ways every man in this room, and I know this after years of marriage counseling, one of the best ways you can serve your wife is to give her affection. Now, sometimes for men, fellas, we can be knuckleheads. I'm just not the affectionate type. Well, you got to learn to be. You have to learn to be. Because that is a basic need of the average wife, the need for affection. And if you don't provide it, chances are somebody else will. And we're not making excuses for problems like that, but there are reasons for problems like that. You say, Pastor, I, I really don't know how to go about this. Then if you're a husband in this room and you want to get it right, you'll come see me and I'll coach you. And I'll show you exactly how to make that happen. Because the second thing she needs that you need to provide for her in the way you serve her is intimate conversation. Intimate conversation means just conversation between you and her. Conversation about matters that are important to both you and her. 
A lot of husbands seem to have problems communicating with their wives. You've got to get over it, fellas. You've got to make it a point. You might have to work at it, but work at it. Because when you don't communicate with your wives, and I've had wives in my office that my husband never talks to me. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he's planning. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing. I'm kind of along for the ride. Listen, you say, I'm not the talkative type. Let me tell you this. You're sending a message. You may not know you're sending a message, but you're sending a message. And she's reading that as, I'm not important to him. One of the ways you serve your wife is through intimate conversation, through affection, and number three, through openness and honesty. Husbands, you got to be open. Your wife wants to know when you're hurting. Your wife wants to know when you're confused. Your wife wants to know when you're perplexed. Your wife wants to know what good things happened at work today or what bad things happened at work today. There's got to be an openness because when you get married, the two of you become one. And it's detrimental when only one has the knowledge and the other one doesn't. And then honesty. Fellas, you've got to be honest. I've said this before, and it's so true, and I have dealt with it in marriage counseling. You know, you can get in an argument. I mean, Sharon and I have gotten in arguments before. It's always her fault, but we get in arguments. And, but a couple days later, a couple days later, Sometimes we can't even remember what the argument was about. Probably most people in this room have been there. You know, you get in an argument, it's petty, and you get over it, and you move on. And you, you know, you say, what, what, what were we arguing about on Tuesday? I don't remember. Was it this? No, it wasn't that. can't remember. But husbands, when you lie, they'll remember that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Husbands, you love your wife like Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He gave himself for it. He served the church. He met the needs of the church. He met our needs, the need for a Savior, you know, a need for the, the Bible, a need for the Holy Spirit. A need for, he, he has met our needs. That's our model. And I can tell you, based on now years of experience, The greatest needs of our wives are affection, conversation, openness, and honesty. Albert Schweitzer said, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I do know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. Fellas, your world will change when you embrace the idea that you are here in this world in part to serve your wife. So, number one, love your wife being a servant leader. You're the leader, but it's servant leadership. Christ modeled that. He came as no greater leader in the history of the world than Christ, but he came in the form of a servant. So, husbands, we're to be servant leaders. Secondly, from this passage, we learn that you love your wife being a spiritual leader, being a spiritual leader. After verse 25, we read verse number 26 that says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. 
So Ephesians tells husbands to love their wives. How? As Christ loves the church. How? By serving. And then secondly, being a spiritual leader. That's what Jesus modeled. He sanctified and he cleansed the church with the washing of water by the word. Jesus was all about the spiritual growth and well-being of people. That is our model. We should be all about the spiritual growth and well-being of our wives. We see that illustrated in Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He was very much a man. He, He had responsibilities that he had to do, but he had come to teach. He had come to see people saved and to see people grow and see people mature in their faith. Fellas, that's our model. That's what we're called to do, and we're not to pass it on to anybody else. All husbands who want to love their wives properly must promote spiritual growth and maturity in their marriage. And a lot of men lack woefully in this area. So again, how can I be the spiritual leader that I need to be? It ain't rocket science. Number one, just be faithful in the house of God. Just set the example. You, you're, you're showing that there's value in your relationship with God to a degree simply by being in church. Yeah, being in Sunday school. Yeah, being in Sunday morning church, Sunday afternoon church, and, and, and Wednesday afternoon church. You are sending a message when you are. You are sending a message when you're not. Because the church you joined... That's when they meet. Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and Wednesday night. That's the church you joined. That's the church you're coming to. That's when we meet. And if you join it, you should be committed to it. I mean, if you join a football team, you don't show up for practice on Monday, Thursday, and, you know, Tuesday. You know, know, when the team meets, you show up. Only at church do we have the option of opting out. You don't opt out at work. But it sends a message, you know, because your wife knows when there's church. And she can't understand the reason for, why don't you just want to be there? I mean, to hear what Pastor McMorris taught about in the Sunday school hour this morning, substituting in for Brother Bob, or what we're going to focus on this afternoon, or in the book of Colossians, why would you not want to be there? Be faithful in the house of God. Number two, take it a step further. Find a place of service. I mean, just don't ride in the wagon. We need people out of the wagon pulling the wagon. Find a place of service. And number three, be quick to acknowledge and ask for forgiveness when you do blow it. You're not going to be perfect, and we're not suggesting in this message this morning that you are, because none of us are. I mean, most all the Bible characters had flaws, and some of them had terrible flaws. But they were still used of God. They got over it. They moved on. The Lord blessed. So if you're you're thinking I'm setting a bar so high that you cannot achieve it, you couldn't be more wrong. You know, you can come to church. You can find a place to serve. And are you still going to blow it at home sometimes? Probably. Blow it at work sometimes? Probably. You're in good company. The Apostle Paul blew it. David blew it multiple times, big time. He got over it. He got through it. And so can you. 
And you're more of a man when you simply acknowledge it. So the bar isn't so high that you can't achieve it. No, we're just talking about taking baby steps, being in church and finding an area in which you can serve, in which you can contribute. And when you do blow it, you ask forgiveness. And you, you know what? Your wife respects you even more. I like this quote. A passion for God is the most attractive feature a man can possess. And after dealing with Christians for 40 years now in ministry, I can say amen to that. And fellas, you're not too far lost that you can't even now, if you don't have it already, develop a passion for God. I think I saw my dad grow his greatest spiritually in his late 70s, 80s, and 80s. You know, I mean, he went out strong in his faith, stronger than I'd ever seen him. You can teach an old dog new tricks. A passion for God is the most attractive feature a man can possess. And then thirdly and lastly from this passage, we learn to love your wife as a sensitive leader, being a sensitive leader. The Bible tells you, love your wives. Oh, pastor, that is hard, and I'm not so sure how. Well, look to Jesus. Look at verse number 27. That he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That tells me that Christ was sensitive about his church, including the most smallest of details, spot, wrinkle, or blemish. The Lord is sensitive to his church. We see that illustrated in other places. Matthew chapter 15, verse number 30. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. He is showing compassion. He is showing sensitivity to people who are following him but hadn't had anything to eat. So the Bible tells us, husbands, love your wives. And then he says, here, let me help you. As Christ loved the church. And you see how that he was sensitive to them, even the smallest details, spots, wrinkles, blemish. That tells you he was sensitive. Therefore, you be sensitive. And husbands that want to love their wives properly must be like Christ and be a sensitive leader. So some practical points for this as well. How can you be a sensitive leader? Number one, treat your wife with kindness and respect. Treat your wife with kindness and respect. You're not yelling, you're not screaming, and you're not cussing. If you ever make that mistake, you are quick to apologize. And ask for forgiveness. We're supposed to be like Christ. We're supposed to treat our wives with kindness and respect. We're supposed to understand their biology. We're supposed to just understand they're not made like us. They, they are different. And I'm glad they're different. We have to understand their biology. I remember it's been a few years now we were at Camp Kobiak. And I've said this, but some of you haven't heard it. And 
Bob Jones III and his wife were there speaking at a couple's retreat. And Dr. Bob had the idea that one session he would speak to the ladies and his wife would speak to the men. She wasn't happy about that idea at all, but she was a good wife, and she said, okay, I'll speak to the men. And I was in there that day when she was talking to the men and encouraging them to understand their wives and understand the biology of their wives. And she made this statement. She said, tell us, with you guys, your hormones, they're your buddies. (laughs) She said, for us women, that ain't the case. And I've never forgotten that. Your hormones are your buddies. They're your pals. But not for us ladies. And men, we just have to educate ourselves to know what that means. And then listen to your wife. Talking about being a sensitive leader like Christ. Listen to your wife with genuine interest concerning... Or or, or listen to your wife with with genuine interest and and concern about what she is telling you. That's something that I'm not good at. That is something I have to work at. Amen from Sharon over there. And I'm a slow learner there, but I acknowledge she's right. I need to turn it off, get away from it, whatever. Give her my full undivided attention because when I don't, I'm sending a message. And I don't get to tell her how to interpret that message. She will interpret that message when I don't give her my undivided attention when she has something she needs or wants to tell me. We need to be a sensitive leader. Elizabeth Elliot said this, A man must at times be hard as nails, willing to face up to the truth about himself and about the woman he loves, refusing compromise when compromise is wrong. But he must also be tender. And she says, No weapon will breach the armor of a woman's resentment like tenderness. Our marriages should be a little bit of heaven on earth. We're human. Sometimes we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. A certain amount of tension from time to time is going to be inevitable. But there are a lot of people in their marriages just live in you-know-what on earth. It can't be that way. And it can be better. Where your marriage is way more often joy. And it's a pleasure. And you enjoy one another. So to be a loving husband, let's review. You look to Christ, fellas. As your model. Love your wife as a servant leader. Love your wife as a spiritual leader. Love your wife as a sensitive leader. You're going to have to change probably, but you can do it. You need help? I'm here to help you. Pastor Jamie is here to help you. You need help as a couple? We have the best material there is out there today on how to bring your marriage to where you and your spouse know that it ought to be. And maybe you're not there yet, but we can get you there. I want to share one of the best quotes. You know, I love quotes. Here's one of the best. The traits of a true gentleman are simply the character traits of Christ. The traits of a true gentleman are simply the character traits of Christ. That's pretty lofty, fellows. I, I, I understand. And I appreciate your humility. But the Lord is not going to give you or I a task we cannot accomplish. 
And the task very simply is, husbands, love your wives. Knowing that it's difficult, he says, let me help you. As Christ loved the church. I've talked to men who are good with their hands and they have their shops. And they said, I can build anything as long as I have a blueprint, a diagram, or in many cases, a picture. Give me any of those things. I can build it in my, if it's wood, I can build it in my wood shop. But without that, if you just kind of describe it to me, maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't. The Lord has given you a blueprint. He's given you a diagram. Given you a model. Given you a picture. Now, what kind of man are you? Are you going to aspire to grow and change? Yes, it's lofty. Not saying that it's not. Yes, it'll be challenging. It certainly will. But it's worthwhile. I've heard of of people saying, why would anybody climb to the top of a mountain? You know, one of these higher jagged peaks, you know, and you're climbing hand over hand. Why would anybody climb to the top of the mountain? And fellas have said, you know, if you ask that question, it's obvious you've never been to the top of the mountain. Because if you'd been to the top of the mountain, you wouldn't even be asking that question. In other words, it's worthwhile. Fellas, the climb to the top of the mountain to be the husband that you ought to be is worthwhile. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.